Welcome back, everyone, to the beginning of another exciting spooky season special edition episode. Um, I want to jump in with a, um, a, a not wild content warning at the beginning that in the second half of the episode, we're going to talk about some um, real facts of life thing that happened to uh, Brendan Fraser during the period when he was filming the original Mummy movies, and it includes references to uh, real-life sexual assault and um, hanging by the neck that uh, is maybe not your mood today. So uh, I understand why you might want to have a warning about that in advance. All right, well, that's seriousness out of the way. Let's jump into part one of Gavin's multi-part topic, mummies. Welcome to Oops! All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia, that weirdo with me when he's not devouring the entrails of the locals with his gibbering fangs is Gavin. And this (laughs) weirdo with me, the only German I know that can pronounce squirrel is Hess. Squirrel. Squirrel. And we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. Uh, as a quick reminder, images that we reference, including in our describing segment, are available on Instagram at oopsallmonsters, so please check those out. They will really enhance your reading experience. So um, before we slide on over to Gavin's um, mysterious monster today, let's jump over into... vocabulary the word is choir uh choir but not with the spelling not with the spelling and the and the the boys in the robes that have to watch out for the priests not choir Q, k- yeah not chair but q u i r e choir huh. it is uh any collection of leaves, uh, one within another in a manuscript or book, specifically 25 or 24 sheets of paper, which is 120th of a ream, yeah. is a choir. I did know that. St- a stack of 24 or 25 sheets of paper. Yeah, okay. Um, it is. It is relates to four sheets of paper or parchment folded into... To form eight leaves, as in medieval manuscripts, yeah, uh, was I guess how they did it because they like weird words starting with Q in them medieval times. Yeah, I learned that word researching alternate words for tome because of because of all the game writing that I do. You can only say grimoire so many times. I know it's tome grimoire. 
<laughs> okay, so choir is our villainous vocabulary. And with that, I think we are ready to get on to the entree. What are we looking at? Uh, what? How do we get started today? Well, Gavin? let's get started with a story. Um, let's say uh, that you are Robert Sedgwick, and you have just stolen Steve Buscemi's girlfriend and ruined his chance to get a scholarship or something by turning in the wrong paper and a whole bunch of devious uh, academic college backstabbery. And Steve Buscemi, uh, the nerdy little swat that he is, uh, leaves the university... Uh, all quiet and ashamed of himself, and that's taking care of that. So now you and Julianne Moore can spend the rest of your lives together until you both hear scratchings at the windows and doors. Uh, you hear screaming outside, a bunch of echoing terror noises through the hallways. You run to the kitchen to see what the noise is from the kitchen door there's nothing outside you check the window there's a bunch of uh, the screen is torn and there's some tattered it looks like bandages on the window left and ripped off of something um, there's a bunch of mud uh, in the hallway that you notice to the right of you you hear Julianne Moore scream you run up to the bedroom and her heart has been ripped out of her chest. Uh, you continue to go up to the attic where you thought you've heard a noise, and then you're face to face with the contents of lot number 249, a bandaged up and barely audible, mumbling, moaning mummy. <laughs> Right. I uh, I have ascertained through the power of the internet what this is, but I would not have recalled it. Um, it is, <laughs> it is uh, yes, whatever the monster is from the Steve Buscemi segment of the Tales from the Dark Side movie, uh, Tales from the Dark Side the movie, Lot 249, which I definitely have seen. But is um, is not uh, is not ringing a ton of bells for me right now. So what? Is, yeah, well, I haven't seen the Tales from the Dark Side movie in a chunk. Well, the the monster is a mummy. Okay, so just a straight up mummy. A straight up mummy. I was gonna do. This is gonna be part one, by the way. Okay, so we're part two. I'm thinking we're gonna do a lot later. Okay, so we're um. We're on mummies. We're on mummies. Okay. Happy Halloween. It is uh, double spooky season. We'll find out what is going to be up. What the fuck is up with mummies? All right. Um, well, yeah, we're going to dive pretty deep into the actual history of mummies and the Brendan Fraser film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, um, the world, the internet would have uh, torched us, uh, you know, lynched us like Doctor Frankenstein, 
in our castle if we did not uh, cover the Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser movie. So that's good to yeah. know. I don't need to be uh, I don't need to be burned by villagers with pitchforks. All right. So um, where what what part of the uh, wrapping um, of this proverbial sweater song do we start tugging on to begin this uh, lesson of this? Very um, severely, uh, I assume, complex monster origin. What do we? What do we want to look at? Because mummy is a hell of a thing. Yeah, mummies are huge. Um, (laughs) We're gonna go beyond the uh, any breakfast cereal Mm. or um, any any uh, Lon Chaney movie back to. Uh, the Curse of the Pharaohs, or the Mummy's Curse, is an alleged, this is all from Wikipedia, is a curse alleged to be cast upon anyone who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian, especially of Pharaoh, in their uh, burial site. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, is claimed to cause bad luck, illness, or death. Since the mid-20th century, many authors and documentarians have argued that the curse is real in a sense of having scientifically scientifically explicable causes such as bacteria or radiation. Huh. Uh, there are occasional instances of genuine ancient curses appearing inside or on the facade of a tomb. As in the case of the Mastaba and the Kintika Aikekeki of the Sixth Dynasty at uh, Sakara. These appear to be directed towards the Kai priests who protect the tomb carefully and preserve its ritual purity rather than its warning for potential robbers. There have been stories of curses going back to the 19th century but they multiplied after Howard Carter's discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun Despite popular misconceptions, no curse was found inscribed in the pharaoh's tomb. The evidence for curses relating to Tutankhamun is considered to be so meager that Donald B. Redford viewed it as unadulterated claptrap. Well, when I get my claptrap down at the uh, buttfuckery, I like to make sure that it is a hundred percent unadulterated. You get the, yeah. you, you, you get them, you find out that they're slipping you adulterated claptrap, and you 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 get a discount if you uh, you know yeah do not pay full price for adulterated claptrap. Did you notice anything weird a minute ago? I dove into. King Tut's history, and King Tut's history is huge. Most of the things that I uh, researched was about his death, and nobody knows how he died. There's a bunch of theories, and everybody argues over it. He was either murdered murdered by I, or um, murdered by one of his own generals, or murdered in a battle with the Hittites, hmm. um, because King Tut's mummy is actually poorly done. Like, okay. whenever they examined it, it's it's not a very good mummy, and it wasn't done correctly. <laughs> right. Huh. Why, well, why, going from, going in a 101 class um, fashion, why is King Tut's, is it just because King Tut's was found at the time it was found, and that it was extremely full of cool stuff that it is the big famous the famous one yeah king tut's tomb had the most treasure in it and it was found like right whenever newspapers were everywhere 
Like everybody right. on, in the world could get a newspaper. Right. The massive. I know that the massive um, Egyptian craze of that period was a craze, as a lot of crazes are, just because it was uh, culturally interesting to the people at the time and. Uh, the media was that the media was ripe to tell that story, and people were obsessed with different versions of Orientalism having come out having come out of height of the colonial period. People really loved the the kind of like um, masca- mascara eyed, swoony. Uh, Orientalist, reductive, kind of like sexy Middle East vibe. Sexy. Yeah, it um, it made a good juxtaposition with pith helmets and 1911 rifles and um, you know American and English values. Yeah, it really did. (laughs) Those are poisonous, you know. Only if they bite you. The topic is so. Uh, vast, I'm going to kind of need you to be the ranger in the party and tell me what way we're going in each turn. So, um, like, about how far back does it go that white people that we would know about or people that would have made a, quote-unquote, modern history of it started digging mummies up and talking about them that would have become, like, consumable in a way that would relate to, like, the King Tut craze, like... How, has, when did when did that start happening? Because I, I I that started happening uh, with Napoleon. Uh, that fucker canned food and yeah. mummies. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so why did what what kind of situation was created by Napoleon and or his armies that that white people would have been stealing um, old old uh, dead royalty from? Egypt. Well, Napoleon Napoleon wasn't as um uh I don't know. He was a pretty good tactician, but um I guess in the sense where you're looking for antiquity uh-huh. in especially buried in like uh trapped antiquity, like Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Uh he had no clue because because uh most of what Napoleon found, uh, he got from, like, grave robbers and, uh, people who generally just, uh, disregarded the, the sanctity of, of the tombs and everything all over Cairo, and, and, um, he stole from them. He didn't go into the pyramids or anything, like, searching for treasure. He, he, He found a bunch of stuff because they were still ruins, but he ended up just blasting them with cannons Instead of, like, doing any investigating. (laughs) Yeah. But that did leave a big breadcrumb trail for tons of Europeans to go to Egypt and look at all of this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. People needed time to... Uh, finish that war first before they (laughs) started worrying about (laughs) King Tut. That was publicized and went everywhere all the way even to America and brought a bunch of kind of real Indiana Jones cowboys I'm your huckleberry. From both America and England to come and see what all these mummies are and like a lot of them in that situation whenever they show up just get lost in Cairo and, and 
realize that they don't ha- don't have a, a damn clue what they're doing <laughs> and go back home. But some of them do actually make discoveries and start making up their own stories about curses and dangers because it is pretty dangerous to be in any ruin. Uh, especially like digging and climbing through tunnels because yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah a lot of times you're gonna get lost or caved in or just like just straight up die from malaria yeah hasta la vista baby and the uh the monsters that are gonna eat you you gotta factor that yeah you oh yeah and oops all you gotta, mummies. You gotta, you gotta factor in the um, glowing-eyed devils that are going to haunt you for appropriating their cultural artifacts <laughs> Can't forget that one, kids. By 1932, Boris Karloff and uh, his director decided to go ahead and make a mummy movie. After, yeah, he was Frankenstein too. Just one year previous. Yeah, Boris Karloff played literally fucking everything. Yeah. If there is a version of something from the uh, the 30s through the 50s of an original. An original old-timey monster, um, about nine out of ten times, a version of it has been played by uh, Boris Karloff because he was just just phenomenal and was, like, um, even more so than, like, Lon Chaney able to play every single possible kind of thing. Yeah. Um, including the uh, the narrator of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes. But, um... That was a note I had. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised to learn that. So, yeah, what is up with the Boris Karloff version of The Mummy? Lon Chaney's series of movies were um, The Mummy's Tomb in 42, The Mummy's Ghost in 44, The Mummy's Curse in 44, and um, and all the way until Eddie Parker did Abbott and Costello meet the mummy in 55. It has been a, uh, it has been a moment since I've seen the 1932 universal studios, the mummy starring Karloff. It is quite good. Um, is it? Yeah, it is. It's going to come off as, uh, this is going to sound like a joke, but dry to, um, to a lot of folks, but those universal, those original n- early thirties, 19, uh, early thirties, universal studios, um, films, Frankenstein, the mummy, the Wolfman, Dracula, they, uh, and you know, there's a few others, but they get their reputation for good reasons. And, um, it is visually quite amazing. The phrase that is, uh, you, one of the phrases that you want to be looking out for, kids, if you see this in your oldie-timey movies that your mom and dad will not um, know to not tell you to not watch is uh, pre-code. 1930 was prior to the Hayes Code, which yeah. um, established the system that eventually became the rating system that we have now with the R and the PG yeah. and the wada, wada, wada. Um, and prior to the Hayes Code, there was a lot more uh, sex and violence and anti-authoritarianism and um, yeah. weird, uh, doped up, hopped up, goofball drug use and a lot yeah. more wild <laughs> shit. And so the people, although the people making them had much tighter uh, kind of um, aesthetics or scruples about, 
you know, they were closer to the Victorian era. They were still uptight early Americans or early 20th century Americans. But they would show a lot of wild shit uh, prior to the ad, ad, advent of the Hayes Code. So the oh, yeah, you know the yeah. um, the the wildest gangster movies and the yeah. wildest um, movies that would be about uh, drug use. Um, the the you know the only depictions of cops and the military being bad guys for decades and decades and decades, and just yeah. just complexity of storytelling happened um, prior to the Hayes Code being implemented, and then literally a Catholic priest being in on the meeting of every ranking and rating of of any Hollywood movie, which ruined yeah. the world as uptight and. Um Puritan in their core morals, I think that Victorians and early 20th century Americans still knew how to differ- differentiate art from practical living. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they knew that fiction was fiction and you could tell it in any way to make it good. Yeah, I mean, it's a Whereas, it's a it's a very po- it's a very it's a complex topic because it it really yeah. seems like media does not causally push people to do ridiculous bullshit not at all but <laughs> not at all <laughs> but media still has a massive influence so it's it's complicated in terms of figuring out where that lives uh but yeah i i definitely do watch the 1932 mummy because at minimum visually it's going to be incredibly stunning and any of these particularly 1930s and 1940s movies with Karloff as the baddie he this is an era also where he is was amazing um he maybe the the second person behind him would have to still be Lon Chaney in terms of he would actually do his own makeup prosthetics and that was kind of a package deal that came with him and the 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 incredible um effects of like the mummy and to a certain extent frankenstein the would it be at least a collaboration between him and the art department as opposed to now you know the 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 talent would have basically no control whatsoever of this kind of thing it would all be high paid people in the studio but karloff had his own um, literal bag of tricks to to create yeah. the visualizations and the realization of these characters in addition to his acting ability which was um, it's easy to see him kind of cartoonishly but that's because he's good at creating these characters as opposed to say like uh, what's his name uh, Dracula Bella Lugosi who's kind of just playing um, Bella Lugosi yeah. Bella Lugosi half drunk all the time where Karloff could <laughs> Karloff could play a straight man he could play a a silly monster he could play a a, uh, a mummy he could play the Frankenstein's monster and it required an incredible amount of deafness and skill. I mean, the amount of monster things culturally that we get, the way that they look and feel, um, being a result of Boris Karloff's um, performance is like just off the charts. I mean, he's more he's more important than any director that we could come up with from you know, from Turner to John Carpenter to, you know, to Wes Craven, Boris Karloff is responsible for the look and feel of, you know, Frankenstein and the mummy and all sorts of other things you don't even realize is him. Um, I have this incredible photo. I'll make sure to put it on the Instagram 
<clears throat> I have a small kind of like 12 by 18 poster of it. It's a black and white uh, production still of him in the um, in the Frankenstein monster getup in this. Um, he's kind of leaning back in this contraption that they had built for him because he couldn't sit down with the with the costume on. And he's drinking a cup of tea and smoking. And it's just, um, yeah. it's, there's just nothing else like it because it just looks like Frankenstein's monster is just like smoking and having a tea, which I mean, he is, but it's just, just fascinating because of the, the realities of having to do that and how goofy it was. But, um, I'll find that and throw it on the Instagram. It's one of my favorite pictures. But anyway, where do the mummies go from here? Oh, I hate mummies. After. Karloff was Lon Chaney in his string of Universal uh, monster movies. By then, the Universal movies had gotten to be like what Disney is doing now with Marvel movies. Which brings us to the last one, where Eddie Parker, who was Lon Chaney's stunt double, uh, played a mummy in the Abbott and Costello mm. movie, Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. Which was kind of, even back then, uh, a signal to tell audiences and kind of the world, um, this is it, yeah, we, we're done. Yeah, we're, <laughs> mummies, mummies are so two weeks ago, guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Abbott and Costello mummy movie, though, is pretty funny. I watched a little bit of it. And I forgot how funny those A couple of are. those Abbott and Costello meets movies are actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> they earn their keep making those goofball-ass movies. Yeah, we're much better in the dark, like uh, Count Chocula. It started to staple the mummy into that Halloween icon alongside uh, the Wolfman Werewolf, the Frankenstein Monster, the Dracula Vampire, the Creature from the La Black Lagoon Abomination, um, later the Night of the Living Dead Zombies, Pirates... And for some cinematic reason, The Invisible Man. <laughs> but they were all iconic Halloween monsters leading up to be a staple in the plastic pumpkin era Cold War door-to-door -door trick or treat adventure that most of us remember so fondly, eventually replaced by Beetlejuice, Terminator, Predator, and Dick Tracy. <laughs> and Dick Tracy. And this is something for grown men to do. If you remember being Dick Tracy villains for Halloween. Yeah, somewhere at my family's house is a, a rotting um, flat top mask. Yeah. Which, um, don't let your don't let your kids wear um, massive like fifty dollar rubber masks for Halloween because it's very impractical. Yeah. They just don't want it. It's yeah. not good. It's too hot. It's too hot. I mean, if the kid's willing to do yeah, it, it, sure, it's but it's not, you know, you're not going to get your money's worth out of it. One of Dick Tracy's junior detectives has witnessed the killer's itchy and flat top leaving the scene of a crime. Luckily, he's got on the Dick Tracy two-way wristwatch, the best way to keep in touch with headquarters. Yeah, I remember you had that mask, and you looked great, and I already looked like itchy, so I just didn't wear anything. Yeah, but it's the son of a bitch wearing one of those fucking masks. You get about five minutes, five <laughs> minutes running down the road into it, and you want to throw it into a ravine. It, they're, they're... <laughs> William Forsythe's face, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the actor with the great big jaw who plays um who played Flat Top. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's one of them. Some of those Dick Tracy guys, they don't really look at all like the person underneath, but it does look. It does look a lot like him. What what am I think? What am I remembering <laughs> Will Forsythe from? Is it the um the Steven Seagal movie? <laughs> 
Raising Arizona, of course. It was Raising, Raising Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. He played one of the um, goof-off, fucked-up friends of H.I. I'd like you to meet Gail and Evel Snopes. My pair is ever broken ever. <laughs> Boys, this here's my wife. Man. Yeah, and but he's got yeah, he's got a hell of a mug as to, were most of the people that played the baddies in um in that nineteen eighty eight Dick Tracy movie or whatever year it was. Um but yeah, they just ninety ninety? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that at the Warner no 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 no. We saw that at the movie theater in the old mall. I don't. Uh, do you do you yeah. remember that? I think I think maybe yeah, I think I maybe I ever man. saw three movies in that. I got sticky candy on my pants from crawling on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, a, I remember. Yeah, that I remember better. the Dick Tracy movie perfectly. The film burned at the beginning of it, and then we couldn't see the first fifteen minutes because the film was ruined. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Uh, my old boss, Mrs. Fry, was the manager at that place, but. Uh, Probably what probably wasn't yeah. her, well, probably wasn't her fault. Ah, who knows? You so fired. You fired twice. It's hard to say, but um, yeah, I I kind of yeah I do remember that. It was a big, not good for a kids movie when the um, the film gets melted. Well, actually, Dick Tracy wasn't really that good for a kids movie. It was it was really brutal and adult. Yeah, it was really brutal and, and noirishly horny. I mean, there was a, yeah. a, char- a character named Breathless played by Madonna, who's just v- literally yeah. vamping the whole time. But I, but but literally yes. everybody else was playing like a psychotic cartoon character with a Tommy gun. So yeah, Warren Beatty was ostensibly the horniest man in all of Hollywood for like forty years. So so yeah, yeah that's just like um, mm-hmm. yeah, Dick Tracy probably weirdly horny movie about like psychopaths killing each other. Dick Tracy two way wristwatch, the best way to keep in touch with headquarters. Yeah, it's really good too. It got a bad rap, and I don't know why because it's a great movie. It doesn't give you a sense that it's from 1990 at all. If you if you you know if it was yeah not at if all. If it wasn't like oh that's Madonna <laughs> and that's how old she is, you would have no fucking clue. It's just from another dimension that movie. But anyway. Yeah. I gotta rewatch Dick Tracy. It's fucking weird. Orgulichi and Blacktop, get away! Find out next time! Dick Tracy, Biggers Vehicles and Watch Eat Sold Separately from Plymouth. Like, from 55 all the way up until Brendan Fraser's Mummy, nobody cared. They were like breakfast cereals, Scooby-Doo villains. Right. And nobody thought twice about making a Mummy movie in all of those years, which is weird. I think that adds to why 1999's The Mummy was so successful, because it was about time. Yeah. We kind of, like, went into... We kind of left a period of the... At least the American culture got out of an interest in... Even the most cartoonish and reductive Orientalisms were just not... Were just not interesting to Americans, you know? There were no... They were just not, you know... I mean, kind of Bruce Lee as Cato, maybe, but even that's kind of like way, way down in the bottom of the deck. No, yeah, um, that's, that's a completely different type. We were, of we had, and, and we, yeah, we re- the sh- the culture really shift into hyper masculinity starting in the seventies and then through the nineties, which did yeah. not leave a lot of room for mascara and vamping and pyramids. So yeah, I yeah. mean, it just was not. It was. 
we were we were evil Knieveling and poltergeisting. We were not really we were not really into the mummy thing. And the complexities of, you know, Egypt and Iraq and the Middle East. Nobody wanted to go to Egypt to film anything while they were getting bombed by Israeli (laughs) F-15s. Oh, it sure would be nice if we had some grenades, don't you think? Yeah, because, I mean, now that I think about it, I can't think of anything that is significantly mummy-ish except for, you know... Uh, you you can't count Monster Squad because Monster Squad is is a greater yeah. hit greatest hits movie. You know what I mean? It's like we yeah, that's the the only place to go for your mummy fix in the eighties is Monster Squad. Brendan Fraser's The Mummy um, takes place in Thebes, Egypt. Some of it. <laughs> Where High Priest Emotep, who was a real person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was the first um, recorded physician. Like, the first person to have that job. Right. Well, anyway, this fictional Emotep for the Mummy movie has an affair with Anksunamun, but she was the mistress pharaoh of Seti I, and Emotep and Anksunamun uh, kill the pharaoh after he discovers their relationship, Emotep flees. Uh, Emotep is buried alive with flesh-eating scarabs and sealed in a sarcophagus at the feet of a statue of the of the Egyptian god Anubis. All of that happened. He was eaten alive by scarabs and buried alive, none of which is a mummification process. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right, sure. Was it just pharaohs and people that were like in the in the quote-unquote billionaire class that got the mummification treatment or could you um yes and no uh people who did a good job would be mummified like um <laughs> also if if the pharaoh, that deserves a mummification yeah exactly <laughs> that deserves a mummification good job you'll get it when i die yeah, the new the new drink from and, arbor mist it is uh it is gin and methamphetamine it's called the mummification <laughs> It's gin and ketamine. (laughs) Slow gin, mint, and ketamine. The mummification from Arbor Mist. That's a little something new. You won't move till Wednesday. (laughs) So, yes, there were um, dynasties, like numbered dynasties for Egypt, like 1 through 12. uh, Around like the 6th dynasty is when they have the optimization of mummification. And here is the first step, which is probably, I'm going to say 70% of what mummification is completely, is just the first step, which is immersing the entire corpse in salt for 40 days. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, for sure, for so, sure, for sure, you total total jerkification. Yeah. You, you you come out ready to eat at the Seven Eleven because all of your all of your yeah. bodily fluids have escaped into the uh, into the salt. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that may that's a lot. Removing yeah, all imagine. of your fluids is a major preservative. Yeah, that that's probably most of the work done. And I, and I should I should mention body. about the term forty days. That um, one of the one of the Jeopardy facts of life that I know is when you go into antiquity, maybe basically anything more than like a thousand years ago, when anything refers to forty days, forty lashes, it rained for forty days and forty nights. Forty was old timey speak for too many to count. So if you if you ever oh, yeah? notice that like 
so many things in the Bible yeah. go at 40 times. They, Jesus got lashed yes. 40 times, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah. basically anything over a thousand or so years ago, when they say 40, they mean like, ah, it was a really high number. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I didn't know that. It, yeah. It's a relatively modern thing t- for a lay person to be able to do even rudimentary arithmetic where they would know like, you know, 12 oh, yeah, times 12 yeah. is 144. You know what I mean? So, Gross. so it, yeah, right. So 40 just means <laughs> it was like a lot, dude. Like, trust me. Wait a second. 10 by 4 times of yeah. 10. No, it's just too much so, to count. So 40, right. 40 well, could have meant... Uh, 40, it could have meant like 100. It's hard to say. And then when we feel like it, we'll take it out and then remove its organs. Except for the heart or lungs, depending on the culture or era or even station or what the physician believed was the center of the uh, The human human soul or body. Not the brain, because the Egyptians thought that the brain was just a cooling center for blood, which yeah. I actually, you know what? I can't blame them because like when you get hot, your brain gets hot and it seems like your brain gets too hot faster than everything else. And then when your head cools off, you're fine. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to throw that much shade on the Egyptian doctors for that one because it's like, I kind of get it. Yeah, this this is just where I keep all my eyeballs in eating hole. Scum sucking pigs, you sons of a motherless goat. This, this big glob behind my eyeballs is just the thing that makes my eyeballs work (laughs) so regarding mummification was honey like standard or was that kind of like a was that kind of like a wolfgang punk punk special edition in some recipes that's kind of a special edition because most of it was just resin from like a a type of tree sap uh reduction where they would make resin from that and just like dirt and sticks and herbs and shit Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. That was most of it. The honey thing was pretty rare. After the resin was applied, they were just wrapped up, and depending on, again, what they did or how powerful they were, like if they were just a servant or somebody who was given the gift of mummification to die with the high, high position person... Um, they were they were just wrapped up and buried, but uh, if they had done something noteworthy, that was painted onto the shroud. Okay, I'm digging that. Okay, cool. Yeah, in with paint with paint that had gold in it. One of, one of the reasons mummies are so interesting is it's something that's never supposed to be seen. That somebody has gone an incredible through massive, massive pains to decorate as if you should see it. You know, you know what I mean? Like yes. the, in, the interior yes. of the coffin or or whatever the receptacle is in that given you know century, and the the, yeah. the interior of the the room in the the mausoleum and the pyramid, and so you've got this strange juxtaposition of kind of like a Schrodinger's cat box of like, look at this thing that we spend thousands of man hours producing that no one should ever see. And so I think that that like that like huge piece of cheese as bait plus, yeah. <laughs> you know, curing into something like ancient and mysterious and a far off land is like, I, you know, colonialism sucks, but I, I see why it's such a, such a juicy 
um, fruit to go and collect because you're like, you, it is. It's made as if there's a secret treasure trove yeah. of of like art that this person has been wrapped in, and it's also like a corpse and treasure. And you're like, well, I mean, yeah. of course. I shitty white people in suspenders with Lugers are going to come and try to steal that from you. Like, I, I, I don't mean that yeah. as like an excuse for like, <laughs> you know, Western Europe's colonial bullshit history. But I do mean like, uh, it looks like they want, it looks like they yeah. want somebody to come and get it or else they shouldn't have made it so nice. Yeah. That's, that is an adventure. You've, you've got a corpse with the concept that the corpse is going to come back. Right. And, and live its life and have all of that stuff. And whenever you go to get it, the natural thought process that fills the hole is it's going to come back as a monster and kill me because I took it. Yeah. Shit. And, <laughs> you know, now that we're in the 21st century, it's it's like so obvious that you're like, ah, oh, the monster in all of these situations was totally correct. Like we should should not have fucked with yeah. his shit. Um, you know, even even Indiana Jones, even yeah. Indiana Jones were like, ah, he's such an American icon of the noir like action boy comic adventure era. Like even Indiana Jones it should be in a museum. I was like, no, it should be fucking back in Egypt. God damn it. Like there, there it should just be exactly <laughs> where it was. And you know, if, if nothing else, you should be using academia to facilitate a system where the Egyptians who live in that goddamn community can turn it into a living museum that is there that like, you know, squares the circle between the world's greater interest and their massive, like cultural relevance and goddamn millennia of cultural predominance and what you're going to do, which is just like snatch and grab some shit and take it to Massachusetts or whatever the fuck. Yeah, this is why I always click on the option on Empire Earth uh, to win by building wonders. <laughs> uh, can you <laughs> can you explode that a minute? Because I understand what you mean, but our, our audience <laughs> is not going to necessarily yeah. understand that A to B. There, there is a... Um, real-time strategy game called Empire yeah. Earth, um, or Age of Empires. And alternatively, um, they're, other they're than blowing up your enemy, you can alternatively do what you're talking about. Be create, be become a cultural, uh, mega power. The point of the game is to win militarily... Uh, while you gather resources to build your army and culture and society... Resources are only are finite, and uh, other people will get in the way and try to get the resources first, so that's where the conflict comes in. Right. Well, instead of building a military, you can use all the resources you get to build wonders, which is, uh, depending on the civilization that you picked, either a giant building, or it's usually a giant yeah. building. Like, um, the Vikings had the Hall of the Gods, which is just a big, weird-looking Ikea store. The... <laughs> but the, yeah, <laughs> you can see the, the horned helmet guy getting on the phone, looking confused about how to put, how to, put the hall together, right? Uh, but, but, like, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, you could just be so culturally relevant that you win without a military victory, which is, you know, which is like, yeah. it, it's... 
it's great. You know, I mean, obviously. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun game. <laughs> yeah, the Egyptians they did plenty because obviously they ran the world in their whole fucking zone of influence for thousands of miles for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they won on every level for a yeah. while, even. And when it, when the Romans took over, the, you couldn't function. The Rome, Rome couldn't function because Egypt was Rome's breadbasket, meaning they they had all yeah. of the uh, all of the grain that that, that um, all of that, the grain uh, yeah. that Rome was eating every day. If you if you were able to take over uh, Egypt, that's actually where the like uh, Cleopatra drama comes in because who is yeah Mark who Anthony. is stationed in Egypt is a big fat deal because if you cut. Um, if you cut Rome off from England, they are Rome off from England. If you cut Rome off from Egypt, they yeah. will starve in a matter of months. Good, there was a lot of pressure on Mark Antony. He's the original overwrought, like pretty white boy who's got like champagne problems. It's like, oh my god, my yeah. partner is <laughs> so beautiful and successful, and I'm in charge of so much of the world. All of these politicians. Yeah, oh. mo money, mo Mark Anthony is my, what I always say. Why can't I just use my my army to solve problems, Cleo. And then she says, oh, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, I'm Elizabeth Taylor for some reason. <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm the CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas & Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield Iron Forge Cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallbonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Unfortunately, like Egypt just doesn't have, at least in a broad, like global cultural sense, 
a mechanism for grasping hold of the story of the of their pharaohs and their various sagas and eras and the the business that goes along with that. So instead, you have Bubba Hotep, right? Which is like that's like is Bubba <laughs> Hotep bad? But no, like we in the 20th century no, became no. the engine of telling the stories of the world. And it's it, so yeah. the, the the grist for the mill of telling those stories, like Hollywood was just you know, this machine that was cranking along and somebody found this like wispy end of a, a, a mummy's fabric, just like flapping, you know, in some old dusty hallway and said, like, shove that into the machine. And then that mummy has been spinning ever since because it just is yeah. such good visual and historical and conceptual meat that like how could you not use it it's like it's it's thousands of years old and it implies all of these ancient uh it's like an there's like magic and curses and an ancient soap opera and people not wearing pants and you're like done sold in the room yeah it's got a a a double another layer onto it now since um well even in 1932 because the the mummy finding craze was like 20 years yes. before that and so it has another layer of like intrigue on it 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 even gets better if if you're going to go into 55 and then forget about it for 40 years and then do a movie in 99 uh and then say here's Brandon Fraser in 1920 holy crap that's great <laughs> Look at him running around in those pants. <laughs> I mean, maybe he, he, like only Bren, yeah. right now, Brendan Fraser and The Rock are compelling enough to like make to make that still work. But I also think we're entering into an era if if trajectories are moving the way that they're going, we're going to be exiting this if we have not already this hyper masculine era of Stallone as Cobra and uh, Schwarzenegger as Dutch and be more interested in broader and hopefully less reductive versions of understanding the world's symbolism and like t- doing takes on Egypt and uh, Korea and Japan and China and Iraq and Afghanistan that are like oh, like all consuming of actually understanding what is, what's going on in those places at, rather than just like pointing M16s at them. Can I make a suggestion that doesn't involve violence or is this the wrong crowd? I gotta say, I heard what you were saying, but also, I like, I actually did hear all that, but my brain, cinematically, like, my eyes glazed over, and my brain invented a game that was, like, Final Fight or um, Double Dragon or something, where you play a bunch of mummies who wake up in museums and have to, like, hack and slash their way back to Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't, like, it's taken over my whole cerebellum, and it's, it's like... That would be a pretty good game. I really want to make that game right now. Yeah. You started, like, Massachusetts or London or California and you're something, and you just fucking, like... Uh, z- zap and uh, like plague and 
punch your way back to Egypt. It sounds really fucking satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah, it does. (laughs) Make our mummy game. It'll be called Thunder Thug Mummy. (laughs) It will. It will, for no particular reason, be called like Thunder Jug Seventy Seven or something. (laughs) You will have absolutely no mummies in the title. Fuck no. It's going to be called Cannonball Run 3. <laughs> Thug Thunder. Parappa the Tomb Blaster. That's a rap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skeletor's Revenge. Big Bad Mummy Uncle. Uncle. It's <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Mummy Fucker. Hashtag Blame Canada. Uncle Mummy and the Thunder Thugs. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember how the lesser and greater mummies in D&D works? The lesser and greater mummies? No, I do not. No, I could not. uh, I could not cut that cheese from the rind. No. What, What is the difference? I mean... I in my mind I can see the pictures from A D and D yeah in the monstrous manual but like that's all I got. Mummy's pretty much a death knight but stupid. It's got an intelligence of five to seven. It's lawful evil and it special attacks is fear and disease. They have a champion morale and they're worth three thousand experience points and that's the lesser mummy. It does sound like you're talking about 2E, right? Like Yeah, this is 2E. <laughs> yeah, the greater mummy casts spells as like a, a 20th level priest. That's Now that's fucking with ass. That's yeah. uh, you know, I that's that's well, you know, it's given your DM a lot of fucking homework that back in, you know, 1989 that DM was signing up for. So, yeah. Know, the, the, back then that was a feature rather than a flaw as opposed to, you know, nowadays in 5e they would say, you know, legendary action, legendary action can cast X, Y, and Z at will. Yeah. You know, instead you got to sit there and come out with like fucking a list of six priest spells. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, it's great it's great when you're 14. But when you're like 45, you're like, ah, Jesus Christ, just write it out, you fucking Keith. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get why they don't do it that way anymore. People are, people are tired. People are, people are, people tired. are mummies. <laughs> I want to hashtag cancel the lich and bring back the mummy. Like, yeah. I feel, I feel like, I feel like the mummy should be the new lich is, I would say that honestly, if you're going to skew, if you're going to take a monster and like, say okay we you know we want to we as wizards of the coast want to rethink whatever these 10 or 50 monsters in sixth edition or whatever the hell be like all right well everybody like we've got the lich is kind of this placeholder like secret undead like wizard dude who can live forever you know all right get that like kick that mummy up a few levels yeah. And make it make it more like a kind of a super undead druid from an unknowable culture who can transform, who can do like moon druid like moon druid transformations and legendary actions, a la other kinds of druids, yeah. and can like summon beings in a really kind of like over the top way that is like like a plague 
you know, and yeah. really turned, really turned, like, you know, D&D could really up its end boss game because, yeah. um, like, the I think the bell curve of, like, down with the goblins and the kobolds and the orcs and then way over on the other end with the liches and the dragons and the aboleths or whatever, like, you... You could, you gotta, you gotta put some more surprises in there, at least for your DMs that are on YouTube talking about it for the last, you know, 20 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's revamp some of these guys. Let's Picture, not just yeah. do, like, let's not just do the same, let's, the, the same guys. Let's, let's make some uh, intelligent beholders and some, uh, yeah, I'm picturing a mummy that can, like, shoot its bandages into the ground and then the bandages come up at the player. On whatever space they're at. Very um, what was that? Dark Stalkers. What was that video game? Yeah, with Morgan? Dark Stalkers. <laughs> and very Capcom like Venom, right? You know, where he's like, yeah, where it, like it shoots in and then comes out of the ground. Shoots in, comes out somewhere else. Yeah. What the hell's going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? And, it, and of course, in my case, I I think the restriction is thinking of mummies in a in an Egypt-centric way. They're like, well, D&D doesn't have Egypt, therefore it doesn't have mummies. I'm like, well, yeah. no, mummies are a very portable concept. Yeah. You just got, like, a millennia's old undead creature that is infused with the magical and historical energy of its people for various reasons. And, then and thanks to the making treasure. of all that time... Yeah, you got to like you got a built-in reward, you got a built-in location if you yeah. want. Like mummies have a lot more going on than liches or vampires. Yeah. You know, like um I think an we're entire doing, we're, pyramid we're or We're doing we're doing Wizards of the Coast work for them. We should delete this episode and create all of this content ourselves and hashtag win like uh like Charlie Sheen. That's kind of what I'm going for, yeah. <laughs> so everybody stay tuned for our next uh, apothecary you're going to be able to play um uh, the hit rpg oops all mummies yeah there's an accompanying side-scrolling uh beat-em-up video game and D D uh world expansion so yeah, um to become oops all game designers this is a stick up Okay, well, well, what else? I don't know. I have no idea how much you have left on this topic. So, oh, gotta, just gotta... the uh, the terrible things that happened to Brendan Fraser um, filming the movie. Oh God, yeah. G- please start because I know more than nothing about this, and it's very interesting. Um, well, Brendan Fraser, first off, uh, was hanged for real during that scene where he gets hung. Ah. Uh, Ah. Yeah, his <laughs> the all the safety measures and everything were like adjusted to the point where they didn't work anymore, and then they dropped the thing out from under his feet, and he didn't want to go, so he's like, he kind of knew that that wouldn't work, and every the rope was too tight and everything was wrong. He couldn't say anything either because he was being strangled. So he was, like, holding on by the balls of his yeah, feet. Yeah, and if you're doing a good job acting, it looks like you're being hung. Yes. So, like, <laughs> how the, like, where's your, you know, how do you tap out? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, like, yeah like, oh, he's just <laughs> Yeah, have you seen Monkey Bone? This guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so he said the last thing he remembers was trying to balance on the balls of his feet, and then uh, suddenly he remembers the stunt coordinator clapping in his face, saying, Brandon, wake up, wake up. And God when he woke her. up, the stunt coordinator said, welcome to the club, you and Mel Gibson, both choked out. Because <laughs> I guess Mel Gibson was choked out in uh, Braveheart under the same circumstances. <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, just generally? All right, everybody. So, dear Hollywood stunt teams, stop hanging people. Hangings are <laughs> hangings are very dangerous. Yeah. I don't, I, like, I, uh, I mean, as, ugly, as difficult as it is to hang people in, like, a real context, because hanging sucks, like, yeah. hanging a person accidentally to the point of being way more of a problem than you want it to be is actually quite easy. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Anyway, Jesus Christ, stop hanging people. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, but, uh, I, what else, so what else happened to Brendan Fraser? Because I know, I know that's not it. No, he also got like molested. Oh, uh, that's not what I was going to say, but go on. <laughs> yeah. That's where his um, depression and, uh, like, falling out of the limelight thing kind of happened. Is a, a studio head um, groped him. I, okay, I actually do, um, I do remember. Yeah, no, no, you're totally, yeah, no, I do remember this. Um, yeah, and he kind of passed it off as it was it's just like over the clothes you know uh harassment type thing and he couldn't say anything because it was a studio executive and um kept trying to like pass it off as nothing which is extra terrible whenever that kind of crap happens whenever you're trying to like man up and like just say okay that, well that's nothing nothing happened I'm looking for the article that I read a couple of years ago that included Revelation. And have you watched uh, the the Doom Patrol? Um, no, that I still haven't seen that, he, that. That he's in currently. Well, if you don't get access to it, you should come over to my place and watch it because we're big fans of it. And the you know the downside is you never see Brendan Fraser because he's playing inside of the tin suit and honestly yeah. I don't know if he's actually in the tin suit or not I'm assuming he is but I also know yeah. that he has a litany of um uh physical ailments caused by uh mostly action movies from that that period in the 80s yes, and 90s Yes it it was almost entirely the mummy movies that that caused yeah, his and his that, physical that, problems and, and he talked I, I'm I'm really going to between now and when I publish this episode I'm going to have to find the article that I read a few years ago because it was a really it was a really tremendous article it wasn't just um it wasn't just like scooping out from other already d determined news and it it it, it included the business of his molestation by the the studio head uh, Burke is the guy's name. Yeah. You know, I don't read a lot of page seven stuff about Hollywood stars. It's not, you know, I've said it before on the show. It's not really my thing. I my I am I am more aesthetically and culturally into Hollywood in a way that just like the individual characters in it mostly 
don't grab me in terms of what their life is like. I want to leave them alone. I feel like they should be left alone. They would like it. I would like it, except for the ones that are really craving it. But in terms of like Brandon Fraser being someone who had a big um, uh, shadow behind him where he was just not there, where he you couldn't for a while, you couldn't turn around without hitting a Brendan Fraser vehicle because he was that's true, really yeah. compelling, you know, like, you know, and a lot of them, in a way, they were to they could be punchlines, but you showed up because he was really good to, you know, like Encino Man is good because Brendan Fraser's in it, you know, yes. like that, like he's doing Buster Keaton work and yeah. he's doing like Jar- Charlie Chaplin work. Yeah. And he's like making a really difficult thing look easy. So yes, it's, it's very easy to pile him, you know, his beef with Polly Shore's cheese and go like cheeseburgers have no value. And we're like, I, you know, you're full of shit actually like meat and cheese in in the right combination is um <laughs> is is amazing and Encino yeah. Man is still goddamn hilarious and yeah. and I I dare you to come at it and so like it's really easy to say we have got a major find here that this is somebody who is it dead center in the red dot of the bullseye of Hollywood popcorn and Mountain Dew stuff as opposed to quote unquote like making art. You know what I mean? Like it's very easy to see him as a part of the machine during that period as someone that's doing anything of value. And I think that I think that's total crap because he's 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 working so hard to add spirit and uh, to use uh, like a, a word with a with maybe kind of an odd context, like verve and liveliness to anything that he's in. He has genuine star power yeah. and that involves the fact that he becomes extremely genuine in real time on screen. I don't care yeah. what level he of acting it is. He's just fucking magnetic. And he is, um, he's doing something that nobody else is doing. And that was reflected in the box office for a chunk. But also it was reflected in his back and knee and joint and muscle injuries that he talked about powering through in, as you describe this kind of, um, you know, mid 20th century masculine, don't worry about it. I've got it way, which yeah. now in the doom patrol is embodied in the character he's playing. who literally is a, like a NASCAR driver who is destroyed in a wreck who comes yeah. back in this kind of like iron man suit without the muscle, just brain in a jar capacity of yeah. this dude who is, like wears ACDC and Slayer and Dead Kennedys t-shirts and cannot relate to his young daughter or family because of those choices that he made in his earlier life. That's my line, asshole. That echoing of Brendan Fraser's real reality in the portrayal of that character is such a thing. It it is yeah, uh, if you're not if you're it. if you're not watching Doom Patrol now, everybody should start watching Doom Patrol now because what is it on? Like, it's on fucking Hulu, I 
think I think it's Hulu. There's too many things to sign up for, so you just should just come over and watch like a season at a time because it is it it's and you can blast through it fairly quickly. And Alan Tudyk plays one of the big bad evil guys as Mister Nobody. He's like a conceptual (laughs) bad guy, and he's like hardly ever on screen. He's like oh my, there's it is so funny. And so delightful, and the cast is so good. Anyway, it's like one of our favorite things to watch. Brandon Fraser himself said, that's Riley Shanahan who wears the suit. I had a feeling. Yeah. Because I had, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to slag on Brandon Fraser for doing it. I, I feel like you put in, you put your quarter on the pool table, you earned sitting in a, in, you know, sitting in a chair and doing the voiceover and let somebody else bang around in the tin suit. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that. You, you, you yeah, put no in your shit. time. <laughs> um, and he gets, he gets in that car and just says, red mobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, uh, that alone is worth watching in Sino Man to see Brandon <laughs> Fraser be enthralled by the Radmobile video game and then later get into a car with the driver's ed teacher and just go, Radmobile. Radmobile. Yeah, it is. I, so I don't give a, I don't give really a flying fuck about the, the mummy movie other than it's, it is, it for some reason, very relevant. It is. Yeah. Uh, but I do give, I do give like a lot of fucks for some reason about Brendan Fraser. He's the, he's the like, he's the, he's the nice guy that we don't deserve. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I'm so happy he's still, um, somebody that is performing in a way that we are able to consume it. Because his skill is not in breaking his back and and jumping off of special effects shots. His skill is being somebody who is so clearly going through shit on screen. And I don't think... I, I think he's both such a good actor and such a real person that he's totally there when he's doing it. And that's, like, what you're asking of people when they're doing acting. Is that yeah. they... they People, people will, there are versions, there are perspectives on the elephant of acting where it's just a job. You know what I mean? When, when what's his butt from Terminator 4 is screaming at the DP, you know, about uh, fucking with the light and ruining his take, he's not wrong, but also he's somebody that will, he's somebody that will say, well, Heath Ledger was not taking home the Joker. It's an, it's an insult to say that Heath Ledger died because he was taking too much of the character home because we're professionals with a fucking job, mate. Right. Like, you know what? I don't, I don't know necessarily if that's what it is. Like people in other jobs are fucked up by it. It's not just a thing that actors suffer from like lots of people are fucked up by their job. It's not just necessarily like Heath Ledger. Um, so I think that you can do it right and still be fucked up by it. I don't think doing your job right means that it's kept in a little tidy box that is unrelated from the rest of your life and that your children never experience uh, an emotional, you know, drop out of you because your job was hard, whether you're a fucking coal miner or uh, a Hollywood actor. So we've really gone down a uh, an avenue, but 
The point is, Brandon Rambo Frazier, Neal. we love you. You rule. You're great. This uh, <laughs> this you're a you're a superior human being, and you thank are a, you for you being are a radmobile. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being such a radmobile and kicking ass in so many <laughs> movies, and also being like a bad ass enough human being to be real about the various traumas, both physical and emotional that you suffered in some really shitty situations that like, even if you're at that level of success, other people like nobody should have to put up with. Um, if, that's just not how human beings should be. If I was, if I were to, um, compare like a runner up to Indiana Jones for what Indiana Jones did, is I would put Brendan Fraser's mummy guy uh, right at number two. Okay. Because should, um... in Indiana Jones acting where he goes through all of the physicality, um, gets his ass kicked, uh, and then has like a, oh, really? Reaction. Brendan Fraser did that just as well um, as... Sure. Harrison Ford, it was just kind of modeled after him, so it's, it's it has to be a number two for that reason. Yeah. But it's still the second best uh, archaeologist, mercenary, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I couldn't have told you, but that character is named Rick O'Connell. Yes, so, Rick O'Connell. Uh, canonically, he's a, he's a Mick, so he's on our team. Um, <laughs> as a, he's... Yeah. If I risk my neck for you, when I get a chance to kill Englishmen. Is your father a ghost? I keep wanting to think that Arnold Vosloo is Dean... Not Dean Kane. That motherfucker from, uh... From, uh... From, um... God damn it. From The Shadow. You know, the other bald guy. From, uh... The one with the vampires and Quentin Tarantino. Son of a motherless goat. Oh, the... The... Um, the ah! Titanic. Um... Ah. <laughs> Billy Steve? Zane? Billy Zane. Billy Zane. I, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that I, was going to bug me. I knew who you were uh, talking about. I forgot shit. Billy Zane. Yeah, I'm sorry, Arnold Vosloo, that you keep looking like Billy Zane. Yeah. But you super do. And you were... We, uh, we did see, um, what was it, Demon Knight before we saw The Mummy. <laughs> Arnold Vosloo. Is that Vosloo? Or Vos... Vosloo. Arnold Vosloo. And Demon Knight, shit. I don't even, we can't go down a Demon Knight hole right now. Or I my know. My brain is going to pop off. Demon, Demon Knight's gonna... such a good movie and <laughs> I brought it up. Um, <laughs> but like, also, you, 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 I also hashtag don't apologize to South Africans. So, so officially, fuck you, Arnold Vosloo. I don't really care. Like, I just don't think, <laughs> South, I don't think South Africans are allowed to be good people. And that's my one ism. That's my one ism. Oh, I'm giving shit. My, I'm, that's my one. I mean, I'll put it. No, I'll, correction. White South Africans. I have no opinions about non-white South Africans. White South Africans, they, uh, I, I just don't trust them. Uh, but uh, it's all getting cut out because otherwise I'm going to get assassinated by some blonde, <laughs> game, blonde guy named Dieter in 2029. 20, yeah. yeah, that. <laughs> there's a lot of Zeph life assholes out there. I'm not worried about the Zeph life people, you know, like if you're out there like driving a Honda shirtless in the desert, you do you. I don't give a shit about those motherfuckers. I'm talking about the ones with diplomatic immunity yeah. and like Israeli guns. I don't just like yeah. you still have a Luger from 1949. Like just Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
old timey Afrikaners. Like no, th- it's, no, no, it's okay. No thanks. Uh, yeah. But anyway, none of that's making it into the show. So what yeah. else? Can, what else can we say? We're just gonna wait here for a little while until things quiet down, if you don't mind. Our mummies, bitchin' van art, and damn, I'm gonna open up with I, I don't, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Is 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 it bitchin' van art? This one is oh, very. Man. This is very on the bubble as to whether for me. Mummies are bitchin' Van Art because mummies are bitchin' under yeah. some circumstances. But they um, are not... No. I, they, I would not describe them as kinetic. You know what no. I mean? They're yeah, like, there you go. Yeah, They're, they're not be... necessarily like flying forward uh, uh, down, uh, yeah. down the freeway at 125. And there's you no know? real applicable landscape, which would be the other type of Van Art. Like a non-kinetic van art would be yeah. something in a landscape. Yeah, I, I'm, huh, I'm going to reluctantly say that that mummies no. are not yeah. bitchin' van art, but I'm going to say leaning to no, yeah. But I'm willing to be convinced. <laughs> I'm willing to be convinced by examples. You know, so yeah. just just as a broad statement, no, they, you know, when we when we create a spreadsheet later on, mummies are not bitchin' van art, you know but they what? are bitchin'. Yeah, uh, they are bitching enough that, and since they're like a horror icon, do you know what the Rat Fink? Uh, oh, I sure do. Are? I met the yeah. Rat Fink guy at a at an art show one time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's just, cool. I know, guarantee he's, you, he's exactly there's the guy probably you like a Rat Fink mummy that would for look sure, good on a for sure, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's you could do a Mad Balls or Rat Finky version of the mummy that is like completely cogent yeah. and makes sense. And, well, the matter mummy, of fact, I just found it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll put it this way: like if you do mummy, and then like in between is Rob Zombie and Rat Fink, and and you know like cartoon culture, and then yeah. after that is Bitch and Van Art. You can you know that middle section totally makes sense. Yeah, but it's just not mummies in and of themselves. No, but that the that like Halloweeny culture of it totally. Um, <laughs> but in and of itself, mummies just they're not there. Although I love them, they are bitching. They look cool. They're Halloweeny. They're scary. They're spooky. But not in and of themselves, bitching van art. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the first <laughs> complex bitching van art we've had. So. Yeah. <laughs> First time we actually had to put any thought into it. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? Moving on from there, we have to go into our next segment, which is hopefully you have a photo for our hit segment where we describe a uh, cultural icon and rap artist. Oh, he's, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell me anything. Don't tell me anything about this photo because this is a lot. I'm, I, yeah. holy shit. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna, God, this fucking, so much is happening here in a way that is, you got, if you're not going to the Oops All Monsters Instagram, you have to go just for this photo readers because yeah. this is 
you're not gonna it's this is this is one where like usually you can hear us riffing on the photo and it's like aha it's funny who cares you gotta see this one this one yeah. looks like two two action figures like yeah. prepping to be like they're just about to be boxed it's two guys Busta is on the right they're obviously in a gym there's a guy that's about like seven to eight inches shorter that is, I'm going to say, looks a lot like Buster Rhymes. And that's not me being like culturally ignorant. That guy looks a lot like Buster Rhymes, right? Yeah. Like uh, they both have a very similar like um, the Grinch, like deep, <laughs> yeah. deep, deep dimple grin that yeah. they're both doing. They're like clasping hands in in lifter solidarity. And Busta is like fucking jacked. Like he's not yeah. showing off right now, but dude's like shoulder and trap and bicep region is like masters of the universe level ridiki donkey and there this is a like a this is like an instagram like sup guy photo like give me yeah. some hashtags boost me up and i have i will say literally no who no clue who this other individual is but it, it's kind of like like old-timey skeletor meets new age skeletor vibes i, I don't <laughs> i don't know tell me something because i am lost in that the is- in the uh, personal trainer Kai Green. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. layers of sense to me. Um, yeah, because that dude is uh, that dude has no body fat. That dude is ripped. Yeah, that, that dude all muscle. Yeah, that dude is ripped like a King James Bible. Like that is he's, he's just fucking on something <laughs> else. Ripped that like that guy's King James Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is uh yeah, yeah that guy um, is pumped. Kai Green by the way is 58. Yeah, yeah, that is So make clearly... that would make Busta uh three stories. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Busta's not a little dude even like even before yeah. he's this level of jacked. Like um Yeah. I kind of want to get the like um target action pack of Masters of the Universe figures that's like Busta Carrot top and mystery yeah. mystery figure, <laughs> and yeah, uh, and yeah. by the way, I am not equating Buster Rhymes and Carrot Top because I I at best have a, a vaguely negative view of Carrot Top. I don't know. I mean, it, may, it seems like a volatile yeah. individual, so I, I'm not equating them as like quality human beings. But no, they're both like somebody who famous has, has from the 80s and 90s <laughs> and got way jacked and like action figured out. And that's a fairly yeah. small, like, list of humans. Yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah, these two dudes look very happy in their yeah. relationship. And uh, I, I'm all for, like, uh, I'm also all for muscle development. You know, it's it's particularly in uh, women and femmes. Like, when you get older, like, muscle muscle failure, it's like your legs stop working. Yeah. And then the human being stops working. So um, all of us, particularly in uh, who are lucky to be in America and countries where we have all the calories that we want and more and some free time and the ability to not work uh, 19 hours a day, get your fucking muscle development up because it will it will make you a healthier, happier geriatric 
and adult person. So yeah. like it's not just about vanity and looking like Schwarzenegger, which like, you know, that no. that you can rock that vibe, but also it's good for the human being. Muscles yeah. are muscles are useful. Um yeah. so I'm I mean, overall, other than how like <laughs> difficult to like other than how complex this is, this is, and trying to figure out what the story is here, and his trainer being that guy makes sense. This is just like a very charming photo of two guys that are like into like they're just like into being gym bros, yeah, and like sweaty boys together, but in like a, like a, you know a good way. It's like good. It's a good. It's good vibes. Yeah, I like it. Check I cannot this photo imagine out. the amount of water that Busta Rhymes must drink. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, in my experience of being at the gym, unless you're doing cardio, actually, the water is not necessarily that intense until you leave. It's like, unless you're there for like three plus hours, it's like the water at the yeah. time is not that bad. It's like after you go, it's the hydration is just like, whew, you need you need to hit up those calories yeah. and the protein and the hydration. But um, yeah, I'm gl- I'm I'm totally pro Busta's um, as even if I crack jokes jokes about the size of his neck. Like, yeah. I'm pro his, his mad he's... gym skills. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you would be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that helps a lot. Also, I have a Twitch channel where I play all kinds of video games. I might play The Witcher soon. Who who knows? Ooh, yeah. The let me know if you play The Witcher. Link is down this, below. That's, uh, yeah, that's cool. Share an episode on your favorite social media, if you would, please. And... Hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. We cannot get enough stories from role-playing games and mummy Halloweens, so <laughs> comment on Instagram and send us stories at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Uh... And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, we really appreciate it. Please hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song, her work, as part of the duo, the Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at the Darling Kathleen's. And oh. the go ahead. You fine? Are you okay? Yeah, with I that, just. We have been. Uh, I've been Hess. Oh, I've been Gavin. And we have been. And we collectively have been. Oops! oops all all monsters. monsters. I okay. just thought that. Buster Rhymes is a rapper and Mummy's is a rapping rap and I didn't work the pun out. <laughs> well, I hate to tell Oops, you... That, monsters. I hate to tell you that's going to be at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of shows have like a thing where they'll try to put like a button on at the end of the show, but uh, one of the few benefits of us being as crazy as we are for lack of a better word is we don't have to try to do that we're yeah. it just it does itself yeah. 
That is one of the only parts that does itself. <laughs> it's enjoyable. That's a wrap. <laughs>
for like five years. And, <laughs> and it was just in the middle of fucking Hollywood because real estate was weird back then. And the property wasn't yeah. worth the way it is nowadays. And it was just this big colossal fucking just gonzo thing in the middle of town just literally Small rotting away. City. It was basically like a seven by three block piece of scaffolding with like gold and tarpaulin yeah. stretched over it with probably like rats and hobos shooting heroin into their scrotums at midnight. You know, like it was just it was just a <laughs> it's just a really weird ass thing. And there's a there's a there's one like mission that you play in L.A. Noir where you're chasing a guy around the on the living set that has been decaying of the Cleopatra movie. And it's very good. I recommend it. L.A. Noir, you know, is it a 10 out of 10 game? I don't know. But like in terms of like interest, it's definitely a 10 out of 10. Uh, it's it's so fun for various reasons. And if you have any sense of like the geography of L.A., it's like double fun. But anyway. Uh, and also, that movie is so fucking long. I worked in post-production, and my job was to deliver files from place to place, like Disney or Hulu or HBO or whatever the fuck, would have files that have to come to our office and out of other offices. This was all digitally transmitted, and I was like the digital traffic controller. And the biggest fucking file that I touched for years was this HD version of Cleopatra, which was just on the bleeding edge of when we were using, we were like HD content was actually being passed around. And it was like 180, yeah. I will never forget this. It was like 187 gigs. And to me at the time, I thought that was the biggest file I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. It was like every time I had to touch yeah. it and like push it over <laughs> to AMC, I'd be like, okay, so AMC, your connection is uh, dog shit because apparently you're all 72 years old and you will not pay you. So yes. you're going to get this file, I'm not joking, in 11 days. And that's assuming that like somewhere in Burbank, there is not a brownout <laughs> that's going to cause this file to have like a left cheek sneak fart and just give up nine days into the process of sending it over to AMC's office. And I'm like, if somebody comes in here and coughs too loud, this computer is going to be like, ah, never mind, and you're going to get 89% of uh, Cleopatra, and you're going to have to start this whole process again, and I'll see you next year. I'm like, I could just walk to the AMC office faster than it's just going to happen. But anyway, that's my um, delivering the <laughs> yeah. Cleopatra file to AMC rant, which uh, I didn't know was going to come so quickly in our show. But anyway. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> okay, motherfucking mummies. Anyway, what is, what's your what's your thought? Hopefully, well, hopefully, I I I don't know. I think that um, modern audiences smelled what was cooking, <laughs> uh, for Tom Cruise's okay. thing. Uh, this this new mummy. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know a shit or a fuck about Tom Cruise's mummy. Yeah, they were going to. Uh, make something called like the universe the dark universe or something where they have all of the old movie monsters uh -huh. come back and the mummy was going to be the first one for uh -huh. it but what they did was package it to sell to absolutely everybody including like massive chinese audiences so they left everything vague. kind of um friendly yeah, and vague, vague. Yeah. so that they could translate anything and just big action shots and that's about it 
and the plot was barely comprehensible. It, it, there was there was nothing really to it, and it was just Tom Cruise hanging out of an airplane. Big fucking deal. And people smelled that and threw it away immediately. Oh, okay. And I'm kind yeah, of glad I, um, for that. <laughs> as much as I seem to have, uh, as much as I have, how do I say, like intimate relationships with some like Hollywood junk, it is very like, I actually don't follow anything. I, I hate following things. I don't watch previews. I don't know what games are coming out. I don't know when things are going to be available. I don't know what movie is going to be hot. Yeah. So that that kind of like uh, Tom Cruise's movie didn't go didn't fly. Goss is actually like uh, above my radar. It just doesn't. I just it's not how my brain works. So that's interesting to me. I I'm curious when yeah. that kind of cinematic globalism fails because also I I don't I I feel neither good or bad about the the larger problem of that. Like, I, f I feel like as long as you, we, we both have movies that are made in the, in the intense spirit of the author of that movie that have nothing to do with placating the, <laughs> the global audience. And we have like yeah. Tom Cruise falling out of a plane and lying about doing his own stunts and like fucking fish in the bathroom off screen. Fine. As long as both of them exist, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, like pe people that want to be demigods yeah. instead of human beings as Hollywood stars, they're going to do that whether you want them to or not. So yeah, getting canceled by China yeah. is just not my department. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, the, the thing is, um, nobody cared. And um, it didn't really fail because whenever you do something that massive, there's always some kind of sneaky producer lawyery bullshit where you didn't lose money. Turns out, didn't lose money, even though on paper you certainly did. But none of that matters because you'll get it back in syndication or franchising or something. And, um,. There's always that, like that. You're right. That's always going to exist, and those actors are always going to exist. Where Tom Cruise is the next whatever coming of whatever, and um, yeah, all all we can do is laugh when it fails. 